Hi, everybody. We are Matt and Kevin, and welcome to Season 2 of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms. You can also find us on social media at Believe in OWL and Believe.com. This week, we talk about off-season moves in the league, more experimental changes coming to the live servers, and the brand new Symmetra event. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to this week of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast. We are on week 41 of this season. Um, that's a that's an impressively scary number for a number of episodes a season. Like, we only have 52 weeks in a year. Um but but yeah, yeah. How how have you been, Kevin? I've been okay. Um, sorry, I took last week off. I was uh, I was flooded with work, and you then were this doing week, Kevin things. I have no work uh, until the end of the week, so it's kind of kind of weird. Um, but yeah, it, it's been it's been a lot of fun things. I've been tinkering around with the uh, Quest Two, the VR headset. Um. I've been I've been doing that, and then also, um, I played a bit of Overwatch recently. Now that I'm like absolutely garbage at Valorant, so <laughs> uh, I I have realized that my calling is not there. Um, so yeah, I've I've just been helping out the team a little bit, uh, relearning how to do all the off tank stuff, and um, trying to trying to get my rank up again. How about you? How has your week been? Um. I don't remember most of my week, honestly. <laughs> it's just everything kind of floods together at this point. You know, like I I, I kind of have like some days where things like things of, of event happen. Like uh, Wednesdays and Fridays, I have um, Overwatch practice or a game or like Wednesdays. I'll like do a there's like a, a live sale on Facebook for the comic book shop I go to. Um, but like it without those those days to kind of punctuate my week, every day is kind of the same. Although last week I did get uh, voted MVP for the match we played with the Zomnics, which I don't really know how it happened. I just kind of stood there and held up the shield. So, eh. Yeah, maybe that that sometimes that's all you need. Sometimes that's literally all you need. It's just. Uh... You need somebody to just hold the shield, make sure that you can push the front line well enough, and uh, yeah, just do do what you need to do. You know, um, right. yeah, it, it feels really good to come back to Overwatch right now. Uh, I I don't know if a lot of people share the same sentiment as me. It's probably because like I'm not super technical. I'm more of like when I when I play Overwatch, there's a lot of things that are going on in my head um, versus Valorant, where it's more like it's slow. It's very slow paced for me. I don't I don't know how else to describe it. Um, I'm a basketball guy. I like constant movement mm-hmm. versus like this is more like football. It's like, OK, yeah, right. something happened or it's not super baseball-y where it's just like it's all hinging on one thing happening. It's more like, yeah, a bunch of small things are happening all at once that determines if the play works or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, that's just how I feel about it. Um, like my restless brain is just like i need to be moving and doing something right now um yeah. so it feels really liberating to go back to like tank play and just be like okay i, I get to winston i get to i get to reinhardt i get to diva or 
Zarya for now. Um, it's just, yeah, a lot of motion, and I'm fine with it. I, I've really noticed that I've started, like, really adopting that, like, competitive gaming mindset. Mm-hmm. Have you started watching The Queen's Gambit at all on Netflix? My dad has. Okay. Uh, he, he's really, really enjoying it. Yeah, so I started watching because, one, I like playing chess, and two, like, Anya Taylor-Joy is the hottest thing on earth for me right now. Like, she's my celebrity crush. I did manage to get to speak to her one time when I worked at Variety, so that was, like, I got to brag to my roommates because we all think she's super hot. But anyway, I started watching the show, and on I'm, I'm episode three. I finished episode three last night, and there was a moment when I just looked at her, and she's like, oh, my God, she's so mentally boomed in this game. <laughs> I was like, wait, yeah. I just used gaming terminology in chess. Yeah, it, it'd be like that, and... I mean, for fun, I've been writing a lot of, like, fun, like, sketches. And one of them I've been brainstorming is, like, esports in general. Um, Because I feel like at least our parents' generation was all about, like, you know, actual sports things. Mm -hmm. And the biggest criticism is, like, oh, why aren't you outside, you know, playing outside and playing the game? And then I'm like, like, you, you could be doing that like why are you watching somebody play play the game instead of playing the game yourself and then you just see them on the couch eating (laughs) potato chips watching football and i'm like all right like why why don't you go out there and get in the nfl i I understand you're not you know genetically uh, blessed like (laughs) they are but i mean you could you could try (laughs) like you'll get hurt but at least you you tried you tried Uh, yeah exactly but these sports you don't get hurt exactly uh you and i came up in the generation where people were still telling us like you can't just play video games all day or like you can't you're not gonna be playing video games when you're an adult and and stuff like that it it changed just so rapidly over the course of like the past 20 years yeah exactly and i feel like it's just because our generation is way more accepting of you know esports i feel like it's it's because like we we play it and we could appreciate Mm -hmm. like all the little little tidbits that are in there um versus like it's the same thing for like sports like we don't a lot of people my age don't understand like certain things about you know basketball or baseball or something like that and when i look at it i'm like oh i like this because i know the technical aspects of it Uh i like this because there are things about it like there's going to be some people who don't like chess but like once you understand you know, oh, okay, so that's the reason why they opened up this play here. Right. Um, or yeah. the reason why they got rid of, you know, they sacrificed this piece to do this. Like, you you expect it and you respect the play a lot more. This is, like, this this would have been a fun Halloween post to make, but, like, uh, Queen's Gambit wasn't out on Halloween, I don't think. But <laughs> when you think about chess, um, there's a thing that you can do where if you lose your queen... If you're able to push your pawn to the other end of the board, it turns into a mm-hmm. queen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you think about it, that means chess is acknowledging in its own canon that you can blood sacrifice a pawn to resurrect a zombie queen. Yes. <laughs> just, just food for thought when you're thinking about if you ever think chess is boring. Yeah, you, you get you got a free you got a free res. I mean, that's just the easiest way of thinking about it. You take your weakest offensive like piece and get it to the other side. You end up, uh, you know, resing a good piece. Blood sacrifice. You got to love it. Worth it. 
And so this isn't technically directly Overwatch related because Overwatch somehow isn't on this list. Um, but is this IG? No, this is Bonus Finder. So Bonus Finder, I don't know how they did this study, um, but some team of scientists like looked at the, the beats per minute of heart rate and they found the 10 most stressful games out right now. Um, Overwatch, again, I don't know how Overwatch isn't on this list because I've had some really sweaty games, especially the one where we Zomnix finally got our first win. Mm-hmm. But uh, what do you think are are the top like if, if you have if you can think of ten possible games that could be the top ten most sweatiest stress inducing? What do you think they are? It's just most stressful, right? Yeah, most stressful video games based on your average heart rate. Average heart rate. Okay. Are there horror games on here? No. No, but you would think there would be. Okay. I mean, te- kind of. I mean, one is, I, I guess, you can consider one kind of. Okay. Um, I, w- I would for sure. Oh, two, actually. There's two kind of horror okay. games. Okay. Um, most stressful game. Okay. I think for, for sure, I feel like there has to be one fighting game because those games are always like up there. Uh-huh. I feel like Smash is just a little. It, it's got that party game aspect of it, so it's kind of chill in that fact. I would say probably on the sweaty meter, Street Fighter is probably on there. Um, and then FPS-wise, I would think... Okay, Valorant is stressful. Is Valorant on the list? Valorant's not on the list. Valorant's not on the list. Okay. Um, but I mean, okay, we can count that as a guess. And Okay, a solid guess. So um, is, it is a solid guess. I would have expected it to be on there. Um, stressful. Uh, is Among Us on that list? Yeah, Among Us is on the list. Okay, um, <laughs> Among Us is stressful. So, so far, you've got two out of three, right? You've got Street Fighter and Among Us. Okay, so I, I have two. Um, let's see. I, I have no idea what other games are like hyper, like stressful all the time. I guess, like, it. Like how how recent was this? This is I think a twenty twenty list. Okay, uh, so phasmophobia, I I don't think it's on that list because after a certain point you get to, at a certain point you just kind of know how to deal with it. Um, yeah, this this is rough. I I don't know what other like super stressful games there are. I haven't been playing a lot of stressful games. Okay. Um, with friends but yeah uh, i would i would think maybe maybe a souls game um okay, okay i don't know maybe like souls games are just stressful in general oh yeah i, um, I can't i still haven't beaten sekiro yeah <laughs> it just pisses me off so much so uh like i would say either souls or a bloodborne game could probably be on there as well um and yeah i think i think that's like it that i could really think of of like games that are really like sweat inducing like stressful um that at least come to like my mind when i think about it okay so do you want me to go bottom up or top down we should go uh, let's let's go let's go uh from the from the number 10 slot up okay number 10 is among us with 69 beats per minute a number (laughs) nine is street fighter with 75 all right sweaty games Eight is Battlefield Five with seventy six. Okay, so an FPS. Fall Guys seventy eight. Uh, 
Okay, yeah, I could see that. I, I can definitely, I mean, I've, I got so stressed out, like, playing Fall Guys. I got really, really pissed whenever, like, I missed a platform. So, I, that's, that's one of those games where I really enjoyed it, but I also wanted to throw the controller across the room. So, I absolutely think Fall Guys deserves to be on this list. Yeah, especially if you get down to, like, that final game, and it's just you and that one other guy. Like, that's where the stress that's where the stress hits, you know, hexagon, mm-hmm. both people are on the final platform. You're doing the single hops. You're trying to just make sure that you cut off the other guy. Dude, the first time I, I actually won, the only time I've actually won like a full fall guys thing, it was the, the chase the tail segment. Oh yeah. <laughs> like I had the tail for pretty much 90% of that match. There was like two times when I lost it, but oh my, I was like literally standing in front of my tv just like shaking trembling holding that controller yeah like i really like fall guys it's just i don't have the temperament to play it because i hate uh platformers <laughs> i feel that uh, number six is doom eternal at 80 doom eternal okay i can see how it's like fast and i guess mm-hmm. there's monsters and stuff but especially like... when you start running out of ammo or health like yeah it's a sweaty game that's a sweaty game Fortnite somehow beat out all the other FPSs and is at 81. Uh, is that, it, it's by heart rate. Do you think yeah. it's just because like everybody who plays Fortnite is like hyped up on energy drinks? You think that's a either that or their hearts just aren't strong enough? Oh, yeah. They're just insane. They're all children and they have really fast heart rates. Yeah. They're just bouncing off the walls. Interestingly, Fortnite is tied with Dark Souls at 81. Ah. I don't think that's accurate. Yeah, I, I think, think Dark Souls. Right. Dark Souls is a more stressful game than Fortnite. Absolutely. <laughs> like I can't even beat the first level of of Bloodborne. So, and I've I've only beaten a couple levels of Sekiro. So I don't understand this one. But okay, science, I'll let you have it. Yeah. Now that I think about it, I'm surprised like Cuphead isn't on this list. Right. I mean, um, I, Cuphead is so hard. Yeah, Cuphead is relatively stressful as a very simple platformer game but yeah that i would kind of expect that up there my favorite thing about cuphead though is the aesthetic that's that's why i bought the game is mm-hmm. just the aesthetic of it the aesthetic and the music really make that game uh-huh number three is call of duty modern warfare at 83 okay that that, that kind of makes sense you know more yeah. fps like high stakes gaming yeah Okay, now this net number two spot, I wouldn't normally understand, except that I had a friend who was uh, so into this sport. Uh, it's so into the American team of this sport that like when he would actually watch the games, he would turn into a completely different person. I've seen the video, like he would paint himself red, white, and blue and just like stomp around his apartment, like shouting and like cheering. And it was quite terrifying. But uh, FIFA 20 is number two on this list at 84 beats per minute. FIFA 20, okay. Yeah, I, I I, normally wouldn't understand why a FIFA game, but I've seen the soccer slash football community and they get so into it. Yeah, I, could, I, can, I can feel that, especially if you have a... When it comes down to like, especially a game like, you know, soccer, um, it's literally like you, you score... A perfect game is considered 0-0, but like... If if you make one mistake, it it could uh change the change the balance of everything here. Yeah, I'm okay. Well, yeah, uh, I can I can understand. It's one small mistake, and 
you can't uh you can't recover from it okay now get based on just the absolute bonkersness of this list and it's literally it's all over the place guess what the number one slot is okay f okay so the only thing that i haven't seen on this list yet is mobas so i think you would think that with the high level of stress and salt there is it would be like league of legends or something like that final answer league of legends i i guess i'm just shooting shooting in the dark here all right mario kart okay yeah that is a very <laughs> stressful game uh, mario Here's kart fun. makes or breaks friendships in I a like matter of seconds I love watching the videos where you see the guy in first place right about to cross the finish line and then it's blue shell, then red shell, then red shell, then green shell, and then Bob Almond just getting plowed by a heavy cart. Yeah. And you um, go from like first place to 12th place in a matter of like 10 seconds. I, I understand. Like, I feel like if you're anywhere between first and third place, you're like constantly living in fear. Like mm -hmm. if you're in first place, you have to fear the blue shell. Uh, and literally everyone behind you. If you're in second, you have to not be trailing the first when the blue shell hits. And then third place, you have to just make sure that uh, you have you have enough time to to potentially catch up there. But yeah, Mario Kart, I I can understand. Oh boy, I really think Overwatch should be on this list. Um, I, I'm surprised that. Yeah, like Valorant, Overwatch, Valorant, Apex, over, one of them. Apex, um, and also League of Legends and Dota Two are not on here. Yeah, um, I feel like those games. Like I understand, like if you're talking about like over the course of an entire match, um, it's not as stressful. But like, I feel like once you get to like the 15 minute mark or like the 10 minute mark in in an in a MOBA, like. That's when you start getting items. You start getting ready to take your first team fight. Like those moments are stressful. Um, you don't get to really relax on those moments. Um, and then also, on the other hand, you have uh, you know the the FPS games where you're constantly moving around, uh, figuring out what what's going on in real time. I, I'm glad that you know like Modern Warfare is on here, kind of representing that, but. I'm really surprised that it's not like one of the more popular titles, you know? Yeah, yeah. I was surprised by I think Among Us the most. Uh yeah, I would I would say Mario Kart up there was kind of kind of questionable for me, but I mean as a number 1 spot, yeah, I think it was questionable. I think it thinking about it, it sh it deserves to be on the list. I just didn't expect it to be the number 1 spot. Yeah. Like, Among Us on this list was like, "Oh, Okay, this is this is a surprising one. Yeah, I, I understand it's like stressful because it's like it's stress on all people in that game. Like if you're a crewmate, you have to finish your tasks and like whenever somebody leaves you or like you know juts off to do their own thing and you're like left alone in the hallway, you're just like, Oh, okay, I I feel that stress. It's like I could can I afford to do this task alone? Or do I have to have somebody watch over me? And then you know, you have all the trust issues of like, is this person clean? Is the person okay? You never know. Um, just how it is. All right. So now that now that we've ex explored that, which I think was 
a fun a fun exercise in what we think of modern gaming. Um, let's get into the Overwatch side of the podcast. Hooray. Um, so we haven't covered it in a little bit, but a lot of the players from the league are really moving around and it's getting to the point where, I mean, we've said it before that when the league comes back, we're not really going to recognize it, but I absolutely do not recognize the league as it is right now. So many players have moved. So many teams have just revamped their entire roster to the point of like not actually having a roster. So, um, it's really interesting. I think currently like one of the most uh, passed around rumors that I've seen so far is that super maybe headed to Houston. Hmm. I've seen that. On I a mean, lot of the, uh, the comments in just forums or posts or whatnot. I mean, if, if Dante, if you want Dante and super back again, that's a, that's a good, that's a good, like uh, not only from, and a team perspective is it good? It's also good from like social media perspective because they're both hilarious together. Oh yeah. So yeah, I I wouldn't mind seeing that again. Like if those two wanted to hang out again, I'm 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 down for getting that trade off. But um, yeah, I, I mean, considering everything that's happening with the SF Shock and all the teams, um, it, but specifically the Shock, like we just you know. They they won another championship. Uh, we there's a lot of talk of like a lot of the free agents either being picked up or retiring. Um, we don't know what's going to happen with the league. Obviously, um, if players or teams are going to be dropping out of the of the league completely, um, but we'll have to see coming into you know whatever happens in the 2021 season. Mm-hmm. I mean, Houston is playing this very, very quietly right now. We haven't really received anything from them except for that they re-signed Dante, which is probably, like, that should have been a no-brainer from them from the beginning to sign him back because he's he's what carried the team. Yeah, he he really deserves a spot there. And just as long as you're building a roster around him, you should be okay. Mm-hmm. Moth did go to the Gladiators, though, which is... Yeah, uh, that's that's good for them. I I think that's very that's good. good. Yeah, and that's what I was mentioning two weeks ago. Um, the there was a idea that Moth and Shu wanted to play together, um, on a team, and I guess the Gladiators made it happen. I mean, they signed Shu first, and they were like, oh, "Okay, that's that's what they wanted to do." And then the the second that I heard like, "Okay, yeah, Moth is going to be leaving SF," and I'm like, "Okay." If he's leaving SF, he's he's going to the Gladiators. There's no other team that could really offer him something that he would feel comfortable with. So the second that I saw like uh the the thank you post from the SF shock, I'm like, all right, yep, yep, he's going to the Gladiators. All right, guys. Uh Matt, you can you can take you can you can have him now. Like <laughs> it, it's all good. Um and I think I think he'd do really well. Like I honestly yeah. think if you have him and Chu, you still have space under contract. Um, and you know, the the team itself just needed a little bit of a little bit of an amp. And I think that's the best way of going about it. It's like you strengthen your support line. You mm-hmm. should be in a very good position going into this. I think the funniest announcement that I saw though was um Philly's like, Oh, we're we're sad to say goodbye to funny Astro 
who's going back home to the UK, but we'll be happy to see him when he comes back next season. It's like, dude, don't do that to me. Don't play with my emotions like that. Cause I think funny Astra is like my favorite Lucio to watch in the league right now. And it's like, wait, you're getting rid of funny Astro. Oh, you're not getting rid of funny Astro. You're just being cheeky. Yeah. He's just going home. <laughs> We're saying goodbye for the off season, but we still got him. Don't worry guys. It could it could have been as bad as the April Fool's Day uh prank that uh the shock played. They they put up a thing that just said thank you super and in like in like you know like the trade rumor looking thing and we're all like what and then they're like yeah we just wanted to say thanks to super and I'm like oh what you can't do that you can't just release that so good uh, so good especially with just how like reactive the community is to like any possible trade rumors yeah i i I think that's just hilarious um but also paris like paris doesn't have a team right now they've released pretty much all i'm pretty sure all of their players including most recently ben best nico soon and exy are gone so paris doesn't have any players paris doesn't have any french players um and i i I don't know what they're doing. Like I was really happy with their performance last season. Um, I talked ad nauseum about how much I really like Paris as a team. They're probably like, I mean, I'm not, I, as I've said before, I'm not really a fan of Houston per se anymore. I'm a fan of Dante. So I would say Paris probably became my favorite team and now they they've got nobody. So I don't have a favorite team anymore. It's one of those things that like kind of sucks because like when you saw the Paris Eternal, they were doing really well this year. They really bounced back from the year before. Um, they picked up Sparkle and XZ, which are both now on the fuel, I believe. Um, but yeah, it's just where do you see these players go? Um, will they continue to stay in, you know, Overwatch, or are they going to be moving on to something, uh, to something else that they want to try out? You know. Um, personally, I feel like if soon doesn't want to continue in overwatch and he moves to Valorant, there's going to be, there's going to be a really big issue for whichever team faces him. Cause you know, soon as a sniper was, was scary enough as is, you mm-hmm. really think that you bring him over to a game that's really aim intensive. He's going to, going to clap some people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that overall the, the the whole thing of the Paris Eternal releasing players means that I feel like the league might start thinning out teams, um, which is good and bad. It's it's good that it will make the schedule a lot easier to manage, um, but it's bad because we are losing teams and we are losing talent um, that we wouldn't be able to usually see otherwise. So um, I hope that these players or the league like lets us know if there's going to be a reduction in teams over the course of this year um, or going into next year. Um, or if we're going to have like, you know, something else happen to keep everybody, keep everybody happy and keep the league going, you know? Yeah. And speaking of like losing players, like McGravy's McGravy's going down to the, uh, the path to pro he he's stepping back from, uh, tier one Overwatch, and he joined the. I think it's it's Vite Ramen Revival Path to Pro team. Um, so that's an interesting move for him, especially because considering he won the. Uh, I mean, it doesn't. I know it doesn't like 
count much for play. It, it's more of a spirit award, but he did get the Internet Hulk Award from the league last year. So I, I would think that would count for something. Yeah, and I feel like this is really interesting to uh, to see here. Um, Vite Ramen, by the way, is uh, they're they're located in Davis. Um, oh, Cowtown? so they're yeah, yeah, Cowtown. <laughs> uh, they're they're very close to them. Uh, they're the people who actually run the thing are um, Davis graduates. So it's oh. really cool to go to um, if you ever do watch any like UC Davis like games or uh, either their Overwatch team or the Valorant team, um, there will be a representative from from White Ramen who is just out there, um, like either supporting them or just like talking with us. So um, they're they're just really cool people in general. But mm-hmm. um, in terms of Revival GG, I'm really excited that they're picking this up. Um, if McGravy wanted to take a, take a step back, you know, um, maybe not be in the whole spotlight the entire time and just says like you know what maybe i want to focus on my game um right now and that could be the best way of going about it it's just being like i don't want to deal with the politics of the league until i uh until it really kicks off you know Mm -hmm. um until i know exactly what's going to happen in 2021 but yeah i feel like if he wants to get more playtime i mean for sure he'll get more playtime here um I, mean, versus... I, feel, I feel like he did get a decent amount of playtime when he, he was with the Gladiators, though. Yeah, it, he he for sure did. It's just like it if this is worth taking, um, right now because like I feel like he he will get more of the attention in the spotlight by being on this team, um, which will highlight his skill a lot more. Um, it, it essentially just gives him more screen time, which is important. Um, especially if you're trying to build a highlight reel or trying to get more people to to watch your game. I mean, hopefully this is like it's still a good career move for him. Hopefully, like I don't know how how's the money in the uh, the path to pro scene. So the the money wise is it's relatively the same. I would say the only thing that's different is. Um, it's probably it is a little bit less it's not like sanctioned like how it is in a in the league there's like a minimum requirement contract and stuff like that um but majority of it is because you're like in the gaming house you're training all the time um you're not really allowed to like go back home and relax and hang out with people in in the tier two scene they still have scrims. They still scrim every day. They still practice every day. Um, it's just less, I would say less pressure in a way um, to always be working on this. Like you're, It's not always work. You do have a little bit of time to, to breathe and focus on other things if you really want to. So um, overall, I think this is, a, this is a good move if you're trying to do something or trying to relax a little bit more than uh, what you need to. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of while we're on the topic of players and stuff, um, there's the post going around from um, someone who's playing, who's playing from the, uh, the call of duty league who said that um, the league made them sign a contract that um, they weren't allowed to show their lawyers. They weren't allowed to, to really discuss it they had to sign it right then and there um 
that pretty much you're not allowed to like critique the game at all. You're not allowed to say anything bad about it. They pretty much own your stream whenever you stream this game. And then Siegel came out and said, um, Call of Duty players aren't alone on this one. Overwatch League players were given a set of streaming rules slash policies at the player summit to sign. Included were clauses signing away my rights to my streaming platform and the right to criticize the game Overwatch. My team did not sign. We walked. Um, I don't I don't know the timing of the time he's talking about, but maybe this is why he's no longer in the league. Yeah, I, I feel like that is one thing that when you saw the the mass change going into you know Dallas Fuel, it was because of that. Um I feel like honestly, this is just a very like it's a sign of weakness coming out from Activision in general. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they whenever whenever they do this, it just means like, oh, we don't want you bad mouthing our game, and uh, now we own all the rights to your to your work and all that stuff. It's just like the the best people to give you advice on fixing your game and like making it more fun for players are the people who are playing it competitively. Like these guys are pouring in hours, like days of their week into your game like that is something that you're just gonna you're gonna watch these guys play the game as much as they can and then if they find a bug or they find something that feels unbalanced in any way shape or form you're not gonna let them like express that in any way right um i i would honestly say like you know what if you if I'm Activision here. I'm like, you know what? We just let us have um let us have the rights to clip your stream if we see something that we like um and allow us to use that as like social media promotion. I would feel like that's okay, but like give them the right to critique. Like if there's something wrong with your game initially, like either from a like from a competitive standpoint or even a casual standpoint, let the players voice their opinion because their opinion is what's going to keep the game going. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it, it feels like this is just a, a paranoid move from Blizzard. It feels like, it, it feels heavy-handed and overly just authoritarian. Like, if you look at what happened with Monty, like, Monty's not part of the Overwatch League. And he said, oh, your format's really stupid. Why don't you just like, like, even when he was part of the league, he was, I guess he was talking to the higher ups and they just like, no, your idea for like monthly tournaments is stupid. We're not going to do it. It's complicated. Look what happened. It's what we're using now. And I, the league has yet to acknowledge Monty was right. Yeah, it's not until it's like gone and you had to adjust, um, you know, to COVID and everything that this is what, what the right answer was the whole time um we we need to have that again where you have people who are excited about your game it is very difficult to do that right now obviously um you you don't have your league up and running um you're you're doing other events in general um and obviously there's more stuff going in in overwatch 2 um and everybody's like leaning more towards that so i just want to see what this ends up like leading to in general i i just want um i i I just i just want more communication coming out from everyone you know yeah and honestly like my thoughts on this are 
nothing gets better by people just telling you how great you are. This game can only improve if it listens to the people who say, oh, this is what we don't like. This is what's bad. You should fix this. Yeah, I, I feel like that that's important for not only like the developers, but also players themselves as well. Um, it, I, I know for myself personally, like when I watch back my VODs, I'm like, if if I said, "Oh, I did this well," I did, "Oh, I yeah, I dive, I I dove the back line really well, and I hit I hit their supports." Um, but if I don't say like, "Oh, I could have had a kill on that Winston if I if I landed another two melee shots in," or, um, "Oh, I didn't," uh, like I could have done better here or there. Um, there's no way of knowing that you're gonna improve, and that's the most important aspect of critique is like learning to improve and take that um i know that firsthand i've been studying a lot on how to improve my own gameplay either in uh in valorant right now at least um but in overwatch as well it's just like things that i'm looking for um to make sure that i can make the game work you know make make myself play at the higher level that i need to um and it's important so Make sure to take criticism if it's from a coach. Um, you also listen to players on your team. Sometimes there's different like there's different ways how people want to play their game, and you just gotta listen to what they have to say. Gotta make it flow. Gotta make sure everyone's like at least somewhat happy. Um, but speaking of improvements on the game, uh, th- we have some patches. We have experimental and alive on a PTR would should be coming sometime soon. Um, but so for the experimental patches, uh, this one came out on the, it originally came out on the 12th, but I think it was updated on the 13th. Um, in general, there's one that says support heroes no longer say group up with me when they're missing health and request healing. Um, but there was a lot of really interesting changes that happened. Like for for Anna, her project, her bio grenade like passes through people with full health now. Um, which, I mean, I've seen it. It's interesting. I don't play Ana enough to know personally how that's going to affect play. Um, this is. I feel like this is a, a good buff for her. I'm not too sure if you can tell by the tone of my voice. Um, it, it is a very good change, actually. Like, most of most of the people thought, like, oh, well, this, this is very conditional, right? Like, you're you're going to... Like, hypothetically, if everybody in front of you is healed up and you throw this, it's going to pass through them, right? Uh-huh. Um, the the plus of this, the real reason why this is important is if you throw this, um, the, the most important reason for this is actually pre-round. Um, there, have been, there have been moments, I'm not going to lie, uh, as Reinhardt, where I would be lining up for my my pre-shot like essentially like my i call them uh gate zero like lineups because at zero at the two second mark when you throw your fire strike it lands on them once the doors open and they can't really do much about it yeah um but there's yeah when i'm lining those up on occasion my on a player would also be trying to line up something in my same area and so what would happen is i would be in front i would throw my fire strike the Ana would throw their nade and it would hit me in the back. And I'm like, uh, 
whoops and they're like oh wait yeah i forgot like you know your your stupid thick german armor is blocking up everything Dumb yeah I, german man yeah it's just like oh well i could have just stood behind them and threw the fire strike then um but yeah it it's helpful in pre-round or like cheeky you know anti-nade lineups to really help them uh set up everything so that way if your team is fully healed, you don't have to worry about accidentally throwing the grenade and having it splash on your teammates. You know that it's going to hit the enemy yeah. um, in that projectile moment. So it hmm. it's kind okay. of... It's nice in that factor. It's just a little quality of life thing. But it's very conditional when it's like actually in fight. Like, you, don't, you never know. So Briggs' health was reduced from 175 to 150. A lot of people who really like Briggs are really sad about that. Um, Hanzo's storm arrows can now be manually canceled. Um, Moira's biotic grasp healing resource consumption is lowered from 14 to 12.5. And then like these next ones are, they've been subject to a lot of debate as to whether people like them or not. Um, so you can destroy your constructibles while you're dead. So May's ice wall can be destroyed while she's dead. Uh, Sim's teleporter can be destroyed while she's dead. Torp's turret can be destroyed while he's dead. Um, and on one hand, some people are saying you're dead. You shouldn't be able to use your abilities when you're dead. And then on the other hand, people are like, oh, this is really good because now um, you can kind of reset your cooldowns while you're dead. You can also, if you did something that is hurting your team before you died, you can take it out and just do less damage against your own team that way. Um, I am of the opinion that you shouldn't be able to cancel things when you're dead. What about you, Kevin? Uh, I'm kind of on the fence about this. Like, I feel like there's not a lot of like negative, like there's not a lot of negative benefits of having the ability of destroying something that you've already set up. Essentially, you're taking away a resource that your team otherwise could use um and yeah i feel like being able to cancel is i feel like it's okay i i don't know if it's game changing if it's gonna like change the way how the game is played completely um but like yeah usually if you kill a torb you're gonna kill its turret immediately afterwards if you see a sim teleporter you're gonna destroy that sim telly as quickly as you can like same thing with ice wall like the only other thing that it does is that it will benefit the other team more if you allow them to cancel. So, like, for example, if May has an ice wall up and she dies and then she cancels her ice wall, right? Um, all that does is that it gives the enemy team the option to just run in there and slap them in the face now. Like, same thing with the turret. It's like you have your turret up. Okay, I'm I'm going to be able to destroy it now. Like, that's that's fine. Like, I, I don't think that taking away resources from a team is going to be super detrimental to the way how the game's played. Yeah. We'll see how it works in the future. This is, again, this is experimental. All that stuff was experimental. Um, there was one that we I really wanted to try, but I didn't get to because they took it down. It was that, it's something that uh, Farah players have been asking for a very long time. It's like a quick drop. Um, they gave Farah that ability to crouch in midair to just drop down which makes her a lot more difficult to predict it helps her survivability because you're not just gently floating down like a leaf in the wind and getting impaled by a uh, 
a, a nice random pull. If you watched Firefly and Serenity, you know the reference. Sad leaf in the wind. Um, but apparently it was causing issues for some people playing it. Like it was creating bugs, so they had to take it out. Uh, I do know that that people who played it were really enjoying it. I didn't get to it in time. I really hope to see that one in the future because it's nice to be able to just dictate how fast you drop when you're Farah. Yeah, that's one of the strengths of Farah in general is having the vertical movement. Um, one of the more obviously like um, it, it's one of those things where uh, it's a unique part of her kit of being able to go vertical. Um, her horizontal movement obviously is more predictable, but give her that option to go up and down as quickly as they can. Um, that's what will make uh, that. That's what'll make Farah more unique and harder to hit, and it will greatly uh, it will greatly promote good far players it will like promote their gameplay of you know being able to vertically challenge that but yeah I, I don't think it's that big of a deal if you're a hit scan you're still gonna put your crosshair on them like it's just how fast do they drop down is how quickly uh you have to get used to it yeah it's just it's your survivability definitely goes up a lot more you you're definitely gonna be more impactful if you know how to and when to to drop um so moving on to the live stuff, of course, we got the uh, the new Symmetra challenge up there. Um, they also included minimum latency support, which I'm guessing it's um, it, it's for, for custom games. It allows you to kind of ensure that everyone's on the same playing field uh, with latency so that the uh, you're not like bugging out or, or lagging or glitching or whatnot. Um, there's a lot of workshop changes that came in and it's just a long, long list that I don't want to read. Um, Baptiste's Amp Matrix finally got its garage uh, moved into the live game. So from five meters to nine meters, you can pretty much fill up an entire choke like that. Um, and then Lucio's wall ride also got a change. Um, by default, Lucio will now perform his wall jump boost immediately upon releasing jump to leave the wall. Instead of requiring a second jump, press immediately after leaving the wall. This new setting appears in his settings page under the wall jump on release. While using this new setting, you can cancel wall rides by pressing crouch, which will not trigger the auto jump. Um, when using the wall jump on release option after crouching, releasing jump within 0.2 seconds will provide a jump boost. Jump release timing is consistent with pre-existing live server jump repress timing. Um, but the, the one that's like really interesting for me the most is that we have competitive no limits um, for the first time since season one experience competitive no limits with placement matches skill rating leaderboards and the opportunity to uh, earn competitive points and no limits there are no restrictions on hero selection so we could very well just see six bastions or six torbs or six symmetras or or just oh this is going to be bad <laughs> yeah th this this could be terrible uh it could be I really also, fun but it can yeah. also be very very terrible yeah it, it's one of those things where it's like competitive no limits is going to make people figure out all of the the dumb strats you can do again 
Um, I I liked you know competitive open queue. I felt like that was you know the limit of it. But like this is going all the way back to like before season. Like this is like preseason two. This is the first season one stuff. Yeah. So if you're having competitive no limits, um, I'll I'll give you the old uh the old meta of what it used to be with competitive no limits, which was um two tracers, two Winstons, and two Zens. Um that that was the way how people would play it. You know, light healing on everyone, uh massive damage output coming out from Discord Orb. Um and yeah, you would just Discord somebody, focus down that person, keep going, uh, so on and so forth. Is it possible uh, to double Discord somebody? Uh yes. Oh, <laughs> it, it was it was back then. <laughs> but I don't I don't know if that's gonna apply here. Um why not do like five Zens and a Bastion? I mean, yeah, it, it's he's a glass cannon, but it's doable. Um I feel like the worst one obviously is gonna be like um if you had like three Baptiste two bastions and like uh like a rhine or something like that you just keep them alive the whole time you just keep replacing your lamps dude lord <laughs> uh i Who i could also see this? yeah two rhines a bastion and three baptistes that's <laughs> that's that's gonna be it just bunker down hide there i could see i could also see three orissas two baptistes and a and a and a bastion uh just get creative with it it's it's no limits and if it's comp sure uh go top 500 and no limits Uh, that'll be that'll be fun jeff pal buddy who asked for this oh wait my my other question for no limits is it no limits period or is it no limits uh no limits open queue you know um if it's no limits open queue, then yeah, the 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 options are endless. The um, if it's the other one, on the other hand, if it's no limits but still like roll locked, then we'll see that that double tracer, double Winston, double Zen coming back. I mean, this is no restrictions on hero selection, so I think we're going back to like open queue, no limit, season one, no roll lock six bastions right at your spawn yeah yeah that's not not gonna be the way to go i just i just remember so many times especially in hollywood everyone would do this just set up in front of the chinese theater and just blast them yeah there's not a lot of ways of getting around that or Um, like you set up with six sims you just in the main uh, archway, you put the car wash, and then you just watch the side door to make sure no one's going through. Yeah, you, you set up two sims towards the side door, you set up four to- towards the main choke, and you just you sit back you and have some tea. Yeah. You just place the sitting emote, and just hopefully they don't put... You just put it somewhere that you can't get sniped by Widow, and just have Sim sit down. Yeah. The, Her work here is done. Yeah, that's the way to go. Everybody hides in the back. Everybody sets up at... At zero seconds and goes hide. Um, yeah, and I just hope that you have a good Winston and Diva player. Like that, you would have to dive and kill the turrets as quickly as you can. But yeah, we'll we'll see we'll see what players decide to run. You know. Oh God! Just imagine all just no limit Sims, just turrets literally everywhere. Not turrets, 
teleporters literally everywhere just yeah teleporting teleporter bastion with like five sims yeah it's uh it it's just kind of uh you, you would you would add overwatch back to that stressful list if this becomes the norm oh boy sweaty game sweaty game guaranteed All right, so let's let's move on. Um, where are my notes page? I don't know where the notes page is. There's the notes page. Um, so another thing that they're going to try to do that's probably this is going to go over to the PTR. Um, Jeff talked about it on the most recent uh, developer update, and the man shaved. He's no longer scruffy, Jeff. Although now that I'm not looking at that beard, all I can see is his his very large nostrils. I just I never realized how large his nostrils are until he shaved the beard. Um, but he said that they're trying to lower queue times uh, for the DPS players especially. So what they're going to start implementing on PTR is they're going to do this priority pass thing where um, they're creating the option to just flex queue. So you'll you'll be put into whatever is most needed to get the servers moving as fast as possible. And by doing this, you are, are gonna earn these priority passes. Um, you win more priority passes if you win a match than if you lose a match when you're flex queuing. You can bank up to 40 of them. Um, and that number is flexible. That's just the number that they're trying to go with right now. And um, what it is, is if you're gonna, if you wanna use a priority queue, um, priority pass, uh, it means that if you like the role that you want to do, like, and this is pretty much just going to be DPS players. If you want to play DPS and the queue times are long, you can use a priority pass to um, speed up your queue time. Uh, and it's not guaranteed that it's going to be instantaneous. It's just going to be faster than if you weren't using a priority pass. Uh, and according to Jeff, they're going to put in a feature that shows um, the time difference between uh, not priority passing and just uh, priority passing just so you can see the difference in time whether it's worth it or not to use one um, I like this I think that it's going to encourage a lot more flex play it's going to hopefully make people better at playing the game but also if you get somebody in your game who's just flex passing uh, and they they're just not good at the role it's going to be rough for your SR yeah selecting the flight pass for the most part i feel like is it's pretty rough um like essentially it 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 uh how can i describe it it rewards players for flexing um which which is cool because it's like yeah we're we're filling in the spots that we need help with to start with but at the same time like you are putting people in competitive games on roles that they aren't their strongest in, um, which could make, you know, the the games harder in general. It could make the games, you know, uh, not as competitive as if you were doing something else. You know, if you were actually playing the role that you wanted. Um, but you you won't know how that plays out until we actually get there. So, um, yeah, I I don't I don't know about this flex pass thing. It feels like a good idea it feels like you know you're cutting down on the issue of the long queue time but at the same time it's like it rewards good players for doing what they need to do you know um mm -hmm. 
But yeah, we'll we'll definitely have to see how it plays out going into the rest of it. I think it's I think this might be a good thing community wise because like for me, I've learned that I'm good at tank just by flexing because I used to like my main used to be Farah. Then I moved over to playing Moira a lot, and then I found out that I'm really good at Sig and Ryan. So just by noodling around. So um I think this is initially going to suck a lot because people aren't going to be as used to swapping off DPS into another role. Um, but hopefully af after a while, people will learn how to play the roles a little bit better. And so for the last thing we did get, along with the, um, the Symmetra event, we did get a Symmetra short story. Um, pretty much the story of this is the Vishkar company destroys an Omnic statue of Aurora, who's the first Omnic in a temple in India. Um, lots of really bad community reaction. They want to keep developing the region. So they send in Symmetra to like, and I, I mean, out of all people, one, is it just her because she's a character in the game? Is there no one else who would have been better at PR than this? Um, but they sent her in to try to like figure out the best way to appease the people so they continue continue to develop the region. Um, we learn a little bit about Sim, um, like that she was trained from like a very early age. I'm assuming that means that she was a, a, a child when the Vishkar company selected her and trained her to be a hard light architect. Um, it talks about Sim's autism a little bit more. And I think the most noteworthy thing is that we technically finally get Zen lore. Uh, the meme is... I guess it's dead, but on that handle, it's like, it's not really Zen lore. It's just like they threw Zen into the story. It could have been literally any other Omnic, but they threw in Zen because I think they wanted to kill the meme. Yeah, it's not, it, the, the meme isn't dead. He doesn't have lore of his own. Like he's just there. Okay, like, so, so we were agreeing that, that we don't really learn anything about Zen. Yeah, we didn't learn anything about him. He's just there. Yeah. So. That, okay. That's the way how I'm looking at it. Like, we still need more dedicated Zen lore, please. Like, we, uh, the, what we know from this is that Mandata was Zen's master, but we already knew that. Um, there's a question that, like, we know Zen can walk because we have the emote from him. Um, but the question is, does he, like, normal? Does he walk normally or is he always floating? Because there's a, there's a phrase in the story, and I'm probably reading too much into this. But it says the Omnic who fell into step beside her, it, it, it's Zenyatta. So does that mean he's walking or does he like float at her pace right next to her? Like hmm. the man has the, the, the bot has feet. Does he use them besides kicking? Yeah, that that, that is a How good How does he float? That is a good question. I mean, we we do get a little bit of of a ref a nod, I guess, to his time with Genji. Um, it touches on the Japanese tradition of kintsugi, which is um, if you've explored the internet at all, there's a lot of posts going around highlighting it. It's like it's that tradition of um, mending broken things with gold to highlight that. Just because it's like it's broken doesn't mean it's not functional. It's highlighting the the history of that piece. Um, yeah. so uses that a little bit but we do get a lot of i guess overall omnic lore um so we know that there was a first omnic her name was aurora 
She was the first sentient Omnic who sacrificed herself to grant sentience to other Omnics. They don't explain how she does this, but like they say that this was never like a guaranteed thing that her her sacrifice and her plan would actually work, which I mean, it gains a lot of respect for Symmetra, from Symmetra to the Omnics um, when she learns this. Uh, theoretically, you could rebuild a dead Omnic like by just putting parts back in. But according to Zen, replacement parts have not yet been found for a soul. So technically, if like if you rebuilt Mandata after he got shot in the head, you'd have a working shell, but it'd be like you just wiped the computer clean. Um, one of the, the more interesting things is that Omnics can cook and they can cook very well. But for them, it's kind of like, it's more procedural and sciency based because they just kind of learn how the ingredients work together. They learn from like local cooks how to make food. So it's kind of like you just had a robot chef that just follows a recipe you input, but apparently they cook and they cook well. Um, the iris, like when Zen says passing to the iris, the iris is part of their omnic religion. It's kind of like their version of Nirvana. It's kind of stems from their belief that Aurora, when she became, when she sacrificed herself, she ascended into this higher state of being. Um, the, the color gold and the, the golden light is referenced a lot. So that's why Zen's trance is, is gold because it's, it's like he's ascending into a higher state of being. Um, doesn't explain why and how he's able to, to do that and to heal everybody. Um, but okay. Uh, and they do talk about the orbs a little bit. They're meant for meditation. Um, Symmetra is given an orb of perception, which she kind of like holds and like meditates on and, and rolls around in her hands. But it doesn't explain why Zen's orbs float and how and why he's able to use them to kill people. I mean, if somebody threw a baseball at you really fast, like you would, you would, you would feel pain. Like, like it's not, he's not throwing the orbs. He's like throwing energy from the orb. It, it doesn't explain the orbs except for the fact that they're there. And I, it's like I for guess. meditation. It's like, um, it's like you took a yoga mat and you smacked someone upside the head of it until they died. That's what Zen's pretty much doing. Zen is Zen is out here wishing death upon you <laughs> in the most peaceful way possible, and it just works. <laughs> oh man. I really, in general, I, I'm i not too much of a fan of Symmetra, but like I did really appreciate the story. I think it like, really did a good job of getting into her head. Um, there's the idea that we like, we know about the Vishkar Corporation a little bit. We know that they destroyed uh, Rio de Janeiro, which is why like Lucio and Symmetra aren't on the best of terms, but it kind of, it, it kind of places her in the same space as Sigma where they're, they're working for these companies. Sigma's with um, Talon, Symmetra's with Fishcar, where they're working for these companies and they don't really comprehend that the organization they're working for is evil. Um, and from the, at the beginning of the story, it's like very clearly Fishcar is bad, Fishcar is bad. But by the end, it kind of, it doesn't keep that tone. Um, Symmetra's boss or whatever is kind of like warming up to the, uh, the idea that maybe that their process of, of developing land is wrong. So it moves away from the, uh, the big corporation evil um, trope that we have a lot. I don't know how I feel about that. I feel like 
it's very firmly established that Vishkar is evil. Um, if you really were considering like working with the communities beforehand, you probably wouldn't have ended up destroying their temple anyway. Um, but I think it's it's definitely really good world building. It definitely, I really liked learning more about the Omnics and still no Zenlore. They teased us, but still no Zenlore. Yeah, there was no real Zenlore. Um, I just, I just hope that uh, this event, what uh, what we get out of it is gonna be worth it. Um, we, I think it's, is it a one week or a two week event? I have not been on Overwatch since Friday. It's a two week um, event. Okay, okay. so uh, I I could go over it. So essentially, you have two weeks. Uh, once again, there's the three, six, and nine win, uh, like prizes things, you know. Um, so if you win three games, you get a player icon. You get six games, you get a spray, and at nine games, you get the skin, uh, which is the one that she has in the comic. Um, they're also doing the thing with Twitch again, where if you watch uh, a certain amount of hours of Overwatch, you get your sprays. Um, Two, four, and six hours, you're going to end up getting uh, all six of the sprays that you wanted. There are some spotlighted streams, which are like streamers that are on the higher level. Essentially, like they're partnered with Blizzard to stream on those days. Um, so you can guarantee that you're going to watch somebody for a certain amount of time. Um, I, I guess since this is a new thing and I currently don't have a lot to be working on right now, um, I'll probably end up playing Overwatch um either tonight or tomorrow um so yeah feel free to hop in on on that stream uh whatever whatever i happen to get that up but yeah it's gonna be uh gonna be rather interesting to see all of these games come together and uh see if people actually like like the sprays and want to keep playing um and whatnot and once again uh the short story stone by stone um is available if you guys want to read that. So, and also a reminder: there's still the um, the London Calling Tracer one that's still out there. They haven't finished it yet. They're on issue three, I believe. So that's something also to look out for if you like lore. I again, I like this one better because it expands on what we know, not just giving a different perspective of what happened in London. Um, but yeah, any anything else we want to talk about, Kevin? Any anything you found that we haven't touched on? uh overall um there there are a lot of schools participating in tespa right now so if you are at a college or at a university um if you are at a local university or just like put you know taking online classes um see if you guys have an esports team you might actually have you know once again like spots aren't necessarily open for tespa right now but at least you could support your school and watch what they're doing. Like for me personally, like I'm kind of, I'm not kind of, I'm really out of touch with, uh, with overwatch and the way how it functions right now, but it is fun to watch like not only my old teammates, but also like who has replaced me, um, as a player, because you know, I, I don't go to the school anymore. It's just like, if I were still playing this game with this team, um, 
will we be doing better or worse? What can I learn from my from the replacement? Um, what can I teach them? You know, it's it's just really interesting to watch, you know, coordinated play coming out from not only like your peers, but also just like people you respect. Yeah, for sure. Um how how long do you think it's gonna be before we get uh an esports themed show a la Queen's Gambit? Oh, like like Queen's Gambit. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I mean, okay. There was there was an anime that was kinda like it where like a guy got his uh his whole life flipped and like Essentially, like he was with an organization, they badmouthed him, and then he had to, uh, he had to redeem himself. So he went from like bronze and like climbed his way all the way back up and made a name for himself. But like, it it wasn't executed well. I would mm-hmm. like to see, I would like to see something once again like Queen's Gambit, but I feel like you would have to create a game. You can't use any of like the existing games out there because of the way how it's like because like you would have to get rights from the players, you would have to get, right, you know, right. scripted games and stuff. Cuz like um, chess isn't isn't licensed to anybody. Yeah, it, it's it's a game. It's just like out there, you know. Um I it would be really interesting to see if we get something like that for for a game. Um like let's just say if you know, Riot or Blizzard just says, like, you know what? You want to make this game, we'll give you permission to use our game footage. Like, that's fine. Um, it'd be really interesting to see how uh, how they find um, actors for it, you know? Not, mm. not only would you have to have actors who can act, you know, on screen, but you would also have to have people who kind of know how to play Overwatch. Or, yeah, yeah. or borrow somebody's like perspective. You would have to have in-game, like in-game players who are willing to act as their other personas. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like it'd be really interesting to see the execution. I would. I wouldn't mind seeing that. Um, the one thing that I I do want to see though, um, if we're talking about like esports wise and getting like newer perspectives i want blizzard to do something um the in the same realm as how um dota does their uh true sight series where essentially like there there's a thing called true sight where they go into the grand finals match of like the final game you know mm-hmm. of of the year um they go behind the scenes they go inside of the booth and they cut the actual like final like best of five game um, into a movie. Interesting. And what that does, not only does it highlight, you know, this is the grand champions like video, whatever, like it highlights everything that went into the went into the team, uh, kind of builds a narrative going into it and then also shows us like why. Like certain teams are thinking a certain way and it's really cool to see like at the very end because like for for dota for example like their grand finals takes up an entire day like you for me i i'm sitting in front of a computer for like eight hours watching these guys 
struggle over you know a tiny mini map um but all the intricacies you hear like everything in the booth they're like oh yeah well maybe maybe we should do this okay we slow this down okay we we're going to uh we're going to do this play here um and you hear everything um it would be really interesting to hear that obviously on the overwatch half where it's like okay but we know that they've played this uh we study look for this um and just like the prep talk before the grand finals match and all that i feel like that would be really interesting to see now now, now assuming that all this happens like how many years before the world is ready to watch something like queen's gambit mm. cuz i feel like a lot of the reason why people watched it is because one it's netflix and two because Anya Taylor Joy is like actually like really building her career right now. Like yeah, or from like uh, New Mutants or um, what was that one other movie she was in? Um, uh, Split. Like people know her from that. So a lot of the time when people watch things, it's because they they like a certain actor. Or they're curious about their career. I don't think a lot of people really care about chess, and I, I know a lot of people, uh, especially now, are are becoming less involved, and fewer people know how to play the game. Yeah, I feel like it it all comes down to story. It's like what story do you want to tell with a, you know, with a series like this? Um because there are a lot of different aspects you could take, you know, depending on how you want to break up the story because everybody at the end of the day when it comes to um like series or movies or something like that, the one thing that people take away from it is the story. Like yeah, it's cool if there's like esports aspects of it and whatnot, but if the story itself is not compelling enough to make you like love it, you know, then people aren't gonna watch it. Um, and that that's how it is. It's like you want to have a game where everybody is um where everybody gets something out of it. Like you can make especially for a game like Overwatch, for example, you could do the thing where you you can make it like a six maybe I, w- I would say like an eight episode part but like each one starts off with like why this person plays the game right and maybe they all have their different reasons maybe it was like uh-huh. uh one person got into it because of like their their significant other got them into it uh, another one got into it to um like because they're into game design and they want to see how everything else works. Other people are just doing it to escape, you know, their own like personal struggles or whatever. Like, and at that point you get to all of the players together. They're uh, it's like the breakfast club. Like you have a bunch of random characters who work together and find camaraderie through, you know, being together in in one way or another that that is the main thing that you want to take away yeah from uh from like an esports team-based you know show like this um so it'd be more character driven because like if you look at queen's gambit there's very actual Mm -hmm. like chess going on you don't have like you don't see an actual game in progress you see them like moving pieces and clicking the clock like you don't actually break down the game like you do in some other sports movies so Mm-hmm. I feel like that's the approach they'd have to do. They they could it pretty much it'd be it'd be set in the esports world, but it'd be character driven. Yes, I feel like that's just the best way of going about it. Um, like there is, 
enough for um there there's good character development and good ways of learning how the how the characters work um i just don't want you know it, it would be interesting to see you know the esports half of it um but the reason why queen's gambit works is cuz a lot of people may already know how chess works right like you you know how the end game is supposed to be played mm-hmm. or like you how know what a checkmate is yeah you know what a checkmate is like you know you know the beginning and the end of like how every chess match works um for a game like like an esports game in general it takes a little bit of like getting used to okay why is this happening right like overwatch is very not is not very clear cut like yeah, it's push push the objective. Yeah, it's cap the point. But like every single one would have to be like two CP or uh or King of the Hill, you know, uh capture point. Yeah. As we've seen with Spice Adams, it's it's a difficult game to teach in a short period of time. Yeah. And it would be really it would be a lot harder to do that over the course of, you know, um over a course of a series without the people already knowing how the game works. Yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah, that's why I feel like it it works as a game where it's like um if it for example like if we had a Queen's Gambit version of Overwatch maybe mm, 3 to 5 years down the line um it would take all the people who played Overwatch like remembered playing Overwatch and brought that back people would be like oh i remember playing this game i know how this game works or you know i still love this game it's going to be interesting to see how you know these players play it out like why yeah like we you have to know how the game works before uh before going into it and actually caring about how or why uh the story works here just in five years time do it do a series either about sinatra or baby bay I would be down to see, um, well, like even a documentary on them would be interesting as is. But like, if you were to write out a full like thing for an esport like this, um, who would you want on the team? Obviously, you would you want a ragtag group of like players to be together because then you get to stretch your audience. But at the same time, it's like that is what the team was like. My first team, if you consider it now, um, we had two people who were graduating. So it was me and another guy. We had a freshman who barely like played the game at all. We had an off tank who did a lot of amazing work. Um, and then we had, you know, just a brand new we had Kumo and V Flight on that team as well. So they're they're just like, you know the the hidden couple right you have this you have a dynamic of like two people who are on their way out you have you know what knowledge i could pass down to the next generation or the next people who are going to take up my spot and like you feel for that like if you've ever watched haikyuu or any sports anime before when you watch the seniors play their last game it is the most like emotional thing ever because like they know that at that point they're done. Like they're probably not going to play games. They're not going to play this game in college or moving forward. So 
for me, that's what it felt like. Every game, it was like, this is my last time I'm going to step on this stage. Like, this is the last time I'm going to be able to promote or, like, be on the school team. So, um, I'm glad I got to come back. If you've been in any school sport, you know how that feels. Like, when it's your last game. Yeah, it's not only your last game, but your last, like, even semester. of Just, like, knowing, like, I have to make my impact now or else... You know they're they're not gonna remember or like I'm just gonna be washed away. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just how it is. I just hope that you know whatever whatever story aspects people decide to take, I hope that that becomes like what people focus on, and it it would be really good to bring that in. I mean, I'm I'm getting excited. I might actually scribble down a script on the way out. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll we'll think about it. See this 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 started as like just a just an off hand question about your thoughts, and then now it's going to turn into Kevin producing an actual show. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it's doable. It just depends on which game you want to go for. I feel yeah. like if you picked like League is probably the biggest and probably easiest one to like dissect, but you never know. If another company comes up with a really good game that lives down the line, that's probably the better way of going about it. Sorry, my mom was letting me know she's taking my sister for picture day. Okay. What was the last thing you said? Uh, I want to go to picture day. Can I go to picture <laughs> day? No, it's just, um, yeah, in, in terms of like story, it's going to be a matter of what they focus on and the generation that's going to watch it. That is the most yeah. important thing. I feel like in a few years, just if this industry grows up a little bit more and you get a bigger audience i think maybe then it'll be ready and then hopefully that'll even more increase the audience funny picture day story though one time i was in junior high and i was taking my picture for picture day and the guy saw my last name and it's fernandez and like i don't know i wasn't smiling and he's like come on man smile come on what's wrong with you you're fernandez you gotta smile like a latino and i'm like I didn't say anything about like, dude, I'm not Latino. I'm Filipino. <laughs> you had to pull a Joe Coy on him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Filipino? Mexican. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I love Joe Coy so much. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, for me, I just got my real ID recently. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, they're like, oh, yeah, take, take this form, you know, go and take your picture. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, for me personally, I was like, I can, I showed up to the place in like a sweatshirt, You're like not, not shaved. No, like have my glasses on. I'm like, dude, I'm not ready to take my picture. Like, please. Dude, like, I, I lost my ID card for college one time. I, I eventually found it. It was just hidden behind my scooter. So I didn't actually lose it. So I had to go get a new one. And I'm like. I thought they had my photo on file, but they're like, okay, stand there. I'll take your picture. I'm like, oh, I am not prepared for this at all. Yeah. I look like crap. I look like just yeah. hot garbage. Yeah. Anything else we want to we want to tangent on before we end? No, just uh, support. What? Make sure to watch some uh, stuff on Twitch. Uh, if you, if you want to find me, I am at Kanashi, K-A-N-A-S-H-I-I-G-G on Twitch. So, uh, yeah, I'll be hopping in and on um, probably some Overwatch so people can watch me struggle and also uh, 
enjoy the gameplay you know uh that that's just how it is i i should be teaching the new off tank how to um prioritize on zarya and diva um so that'll be really interesting and i'll be playing my main tank role so uh we'll see if those two uh work out that way all righty then well thanks everybody for listening and thanks for if you're still listening indulging our our rant at the end which honestly is super fascinating and i'm hope really hoping that like we do eventually get an esports series like we gambit at one point but uh yeah thanks for listening and tune in next week we'll give you some more news and if we find other stuff to rant about we'll rant about it uh see you next week guys Next week, we update you on any events or news from the world of Overwatch. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you like what you hear, please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms and follow us on all social media at Believe in OWL. Questions or comments? Please send us an email at believeinowl at gmail.com. If you'd like to advertise with our show, please contact our network at Believe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.